Holy cow, these guys are maniacal. Hello all and welcome to another edition of the Mets Maniacs Podcast. I'm your host, Cy Wilkes, along with co-host Uncle Mike, Mike Bresnack. We're coming at you here to recap the Mets series against the Padres, where we split them. We took two out of four, including winning the last two games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, This series featured a lot. Great pitching on both ends. Another masterful performance from Jacob deGrom. What else is new? Not much. Thank you for asking, though. Also, Stroman pitched very well on Sunday, six and two-thirds. No earned runs. Uh, So we recap all this, uh, as well as the next couple of games for the Mets. We have an off day today, as well as another one Thursday, June 10th. So stick around for the episode. Mike and I dive into all the fun stuff, all the analysis. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Happy we're in first place right now for the NL East. I hope you guys have a great week planned out for you. And, um, you know, it's only Monday, but we're going to have a great week. And we're going to have an even better weekend. So keep that in the back of your minds as we move forward. As always, please follow us on Twitter, at MetsManiacsPod. A lot of good takes on that. Uncle Mike just has some stellar tweets. They really are just something else. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Our username is MetsManiacs underscore. We're also online, MetsMerizedOnline.com. Check us out great site great people and also please rate and review us on apple podcasts it helps people find the mets maniacs all right guys hope you have a great week we're gonna dive right into it just gotta get my sip of coffee in all right Loy. recapping the Padres series uh, as we mentioned in the last episode we'd be happy as fans if the mets split the series on took two games, and that's exactly what happened. The Mets dropped the first two games of the series, and they were able to uh, win the last two games. Um, we'll start when the series started, just on Thursday. Uh, I want to say for the first two games of that series, you know, the Padres definitely look like a better team coming out of the gate. And now, uh, you know, they have a more complete team right now. They're not as injury battered as the Mets because no team really is. But we came into this game with Taiwan Walker on the hill. We were facing you, Darvish. Um, we ended up losing the game for three. Um, first, just want to make a note from the jump. Incredible pitching in this series, honestly, from both sides. Still with the Mets starting pitching. Uh, incredible performances. Taiwan Walker, this is probably one of his worst of the year. You know, he ended up walking four guys, gave up three earned runs. Uh, but over five innings, this still puts the Mets in a position to win. Like, you would take this start from Walker. Um but he threw 104 pitches, only 63 of those were strikes. So he definitely had more struggles with his command than usual. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we just we weren't able to put up um, enough hits, enough runs. But then also kudos to you, Darvish. I mean, he's uh, he's had a great season so far. And the Padres have a great not only starting pitching staff, but also their bullpen uh, has been excellent so far. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, I think the winner of every game in this series had a better start from their starting pitcher. And Taiwan Walker didn't pitch well, but in no means did he pitch bad. I mean, three over five isn't bad against a really talented Padres lineup as well. But the thing I really liked was the fact that the Mets had no quit in them. Uh, They go down 4 nothing, and then all of a sudden, it's a 2 home run from James McCann to make it 4-2. Billy McKinney hits what should have been an inside-the-park home run if – the Padres didn't have that ridiculous shift on when Manny Machado was somehow backing up the right fielder. Uh, but he, he hits a triple, and uh, 
it's a lineup for the Mets, especially that night where it wasn't the most talent. Uh, VR wasn't available off the bench. Uh, you had like Brandon Drury in the lineup, Billy McKinney let off, Mason Williams is in the lineup, Jose Peraza. So that's like a lot of the backup squad still in the lineup, but you still felt like the Mets at any point could strike were worse than striking distance. And that's a really cool part about this team. The resilience is definitely there in bunches. Yeah, and uh, Alonzo also didn't start this game. He got the day off, uh, as we noted on Twitter too. He came in to pinch hit later, um, but he didn't. He didn't get the start. So you know, um, it's still this team kind of grinding out at bats. You know, even though we've gotten some offensive production back from our stars, you know, we're still missing a lot of our uh, uh, key stars on the team that we're hoping to expect maybe uh, slightly before the All Star break for a lot of these guys. But it, we're still in grind mode until we can get there. But that being said, you know, we have been performing. Uh, very well with the roster uh, that we currently have moving on into Friday's game. I mean, this one was just really, really tough offensively for us. Uh, we lost the game 2-0. we went up against Blake Snell. Um, we got to give credit where credit is due though. Blake Snell looked incredible. Not that, you know, our offense, we had the, the best guys we were thrown out there, but uh, his stuff was electric. He went seven innings, gave up one hit, walked one, struck out 10. He struggled this season. So, you know, um, course you want the win but but good to see a guy of snell's caliber kind of return to form um we actually threw up lucchese on the mound this game uh he almost got through the fifth i think that was the first time this season he recorded an out in the fifth he pitched four and two thirds gave up one earn struck out three so got to be happy with his performance this game uh we just we couldn't hit you know three hits total um definitely a, a a tougher game to watch as a fan yeah it was and i thought it was gonna be a long game from the jump when Man, Machado hits that home run in the first inning, and every I'm pretty sure every batter Lucchese saw in the first inning went to a full count. So I was like, this is going to be one of those games where it's like an 8, 9, 10 nothing game, and it's like, holy shit, the Mets are like not in the same league as the Padres. And it really wasn't. It was Lucchese really settles down after that first inning, pitches pretty, pretty decently, to be honest with you, throughout the rest of the game, especially against his former team. Uh, he probably knows his stuff and things of that nature. He's familiar around the organization. You mentioned it. Snell, just an absolute beast. Uh, it was nice to see Frankie Lindor get the first hit off him, albeit the seventh inning. Uh, but it was nice to see that no hitter wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen to us. Uh, Familia comes in with the bases with first and second walks two in a row. It's kind of the first time I did see Familia have some sort of struggles. Winds up getting out of it, but that's how the Padres get their second run. But like I said, it's kind of the difference in the starting pitching was the difference in this series. Uh, and Blake Snell when, is a Cy Young winner. He's pitched in the World Series, and Joey Lucchese was dealt for prospects this year and not high-end prospects. And that's, that, that's pretty much the entire story of this game. Uh, the pitchers kind of pitched to their caliber, and Blake Snell's caliber is really fucking good. Uh, exactly. And I think this is going into the series. We talked about the prominence of the Padres pitching staff. I mean, they had the lowest DRA uh, in the majors. Uh, that's in aggregate right across their starting pitchers and, and their bullpen as well. I think the Mets starters ERA is actually lower, but uh, this is kind of what we expected with uh, some dominant, you know, really good pitchers on the Padres and going against a depleted Mets lineup um, Friday. Uh, you know, that was kind of the outcome that I expected in at least one of these games, but that being said, we were able to bounce back over the weekend. Saturday, we put DeGrom on the hill. Um, not, there's almost, it, it's just so amazing. There's almost not much to say there. The Mets win 4-0. DeGrom 
puts on another show. He goes seven innings, strikes out 11, only ends up pitching uh, 85 pitches, um, but really just put on a clinic again. He got into some trouble when Lindor made an error, I want to say, in the fourth. Uh, and another note I want to make across these last two games, too, is the Mets defense. Uh, there is a ground ball hit on the left side to third baseman Brendan Drury, and he dove over, uh, made a nice pick on the ball, tagged third base, and then from his knees threw a perfect strike to Alonzo uh, to get the double play and end the inning. So, um, or sorry, I think I'm jumping ahead. You were. Uh, that, that was this yesterday. is yesterday's game against Stroman. Um, still, uh, excellent defense from DeGrom. Um, I think on that error by Lindor, um, he there was a ground ball dribbled over to the first baseman where DeGrom made an athletic play off the mound to scoop it himself and take it to get the out. So again, just having athletic guys on the mound, whether it be Stroman or DeGrom, definitely helps out. And I'm, you know, I've been impressed with the defense that I've seen out there. And even if we haven't had, you know, um, the best lineup, having guys like Williams in center field patrolling, I think really does help. So we have guys in the starting lineup who are contributing, at least in some facet, whether it be offensively or defensively, you know, in the absence of our other stars. Yeah, someone tweeted it yesterday. The Mets lead the league in defensive runs saved with 38, I think. And that's coming after the third base position has a negative eight defensive run saved. Uh, we've struggled at third base. I think BR's made a couple bad errors, whether it's been like balls that went off his mid or some decently bad throws to Pete Alonso over at first. But uh, the rest of the kind of field is all, all positive. Uh, and I think Dom Smith might be like plus five or plus six, which is crazy because if you told me Dom Smith would have been a Plus an above average outfielder, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. But uh, he's been really good out there and left. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there's not enough to say about Jacob DeGrom. Uh, it, it's like it's like when you create a player in like a video game and you put the computer on like all the rookie levels and like you just try to pitch a perfect game every day. And it's like sometimes they'll scratch a run across. Sometimes they'll like hit a home run. But pretty much that's what Jacob DeGrom is right now. He's averaging less than he's averaging 0.62 runs per nine innings. That is insane. Right. I, I mean, he's ridiculous. And, and what I was thinking before, um, we had the bases were loaded in the bottom of the fourth and the ground was facing Will Myers. Um, you know, there's one out and he ends up striking out Will Myers and then striking out the next batter. Like I've seen him do countless times this season. Like we all have with runners in scoring position, something in him, that you can't even think gets better because he's been dominating so much. He can flip up the switch and just turn the dial even higher to get those outs in those critical positions that like separates the elite from the DeGrom, you know? So just such a, such a joy to see him pitch. And I think you tweeted this too, Mike, so automatic, you know, it, it's almost becoming expected as a fan. You want to say, even though, you know, it's not, but something you can't take for granted and that we need to watch and savor every moment of this guy. Cause he's on a, Hall of Fame trajectory. And it's so crazy, too, because, like, obviously I love watching Jacob DeGrom pitch for my team, but I feel like every time we go against a different team, and, like, their fan base is aware of how good – like, the, Jacob DeGrom is a really good pitcher, but until he pitches against them, they don't know how good. And I was seeing a bunch of different, like, MLB fans and Padres fans tweet over the weekend being like, holy shit, like, this guy is legitimately the best pitcher in baseball. There's, like – nothing you could do to touch him. And I th so I'm not sure if you saw this last night. Somebody accused DeGrom of, like, putting substance on his hands or whatever, and literally every, Jacob DeGrom doesn't have a Twitter, 
at every minute. It started with Tomas Nito, goes to James McCann, goes to Marcus Stroman, goes to Trevor May, goes to Taiwan Walker, goes to Kevin Pillar. All be like, I'll bet my game check he doesn't use anything. And Tomas Nito says if he used any substance, uh, batters would be lucky to get a foul ball off of him. That's how good he is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I think that's just a – a tip of the cap to his greatness. You know, people are so amazed that they think he must be using something to get an advantage. You know, it's so improbable just as he's aging, him getting better and averaging what over hundred mile an hour uh, on his fastball. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost unreal. So people are just looking for, for any route to be like, where does this guy have an advantage? He must know something that, that I don't, but uh, you know, he is setting records now too. I think he has the record now for uh, nine games to start a season on each game, he's only allowed one earned run or fewer. So that's crazy. All nine starts this year. He hasn't allowed more than one earned run. Um, so also, you said his uh, ERA for the season now is 0.62. Um, I think what, what the uh, all-time record was or since 1968 has been Bob Gibson. Um, or, or even before then, when he pitched a 1-1-2. Uh, Look, I mean, it's a long season ahead of us, but like he's he's on a trajectory to break records. So it's just so incredible to watch this guy go out there. Um, and yeah, it's it just just a joy to watch. Uh, but anyways, he, he goes seven. You get Lugo on after that to pitch one inning, uh, shut down, you know, gave up a hit, struck out two. Diaz comes on in the ninth, gave up a hit, struck out two. Um, yesterday, actually, Gary flashed the stat for the match, which I thought was incredible. At the time, the Mets were... In games where they scored at least four runs, they were 22 and five. And then they won yesterday. So now they are 23 and five in games they scored at least four runs. And kudos to the series. I mean, it's the, it's the, if you look at the series, the two games we scored over four runs, which was Saturday and yesterday, you know, four and six, respectively, we won both games, which is just shows you how good our pitching has been, both on the starting front and on the bullpen side. Once we get a lead, we typically keep that lead, we lock it down, which shows you how deadly this team can be. Um, as we get more of our hitters back, as our hitters start hitting again, uh, you know, we could go on incredible runs. We're already six games above 500 right now, sitting atop the analyst at 29-23. Yeah, I also want to bring up uh, <clears throat> two more DeGrom stats. So uh, they had shown, like, the best three pitchers to start a season. It was, like, the uh, – it was Bob Gibson, it was Pedro Martinez, it was DeGrom. And the, the stats they showed were, like, innings pitched, K's, ERA and a couple others. And uh, as far as K's are concerned, Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom had the least amount of innings. It was like Bob Gibson had like 85, Pedro had 68, Jacob DeGrom, I think, has 58. Uh, but Jacob DeGrom has 93 K's, and the which was good for second highest. Pedro Martinez had 96 K's, I think, three more strikeouts in 10 more innings. And that just goes to show, like, Jacob DeGrom's strikeouts per game, like, strikeouts per nine are, like, 14 and a half. And there is a uh, stat the Yankees posted the other day. It was a uh, percentage of batters struck out uh, the top five in the league. It's like, well, this Chapman strikes out, like, 52%. Josh Hader strikes out, like, 48%. Uh, there's, like, two more closers. And then there's Jacob DeGrom, who's, like, striking out 46% of the batters he faced. It was like, what you is know, going on? It is. That is – I love that comparison, though, because it shows you what DeGrom is. He's, like, a specialty reliever who comes out and just strikes out everybody he faces, yet he's doing it as a starter. It's just unheard of. You know, these, these guys, like, they're pitching high velo, high intensity, but they can only go – you know, an inning or two because of the effort they're giving uh, because of the intensity of their pitches. But he is breaking that mold 
and he's just doing this over, you know, six, seven, eight uh, consistently. So it is, uh, I mean, it's just remarkable. It is. But uh, going into Sunday's game here too, and, and this is, again, like we didn't even comment, and this is how good he is because he's going against great pitchers. There's, you know, Taiwan Walker and Marcus Stroman are having really, really good years on the Mets, but they're just being overshadowed by the greatness of DeGrom because how couldn't they be? But even yesterday, or sorry, on Saturday, uh, Musgrove pitched well for the Padres too, you know, but um, when you're going against DeGrom, well doesn't cut it. So uh, going into Sunday's game, though, DeGrom, uh, Stroman again, starting off the season uh, really well. He went six and two thirds in this, almost went seven. Uh, nowhere in runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. Um, another great performance from him. He did walk four. So uh, he kind of lost control at some point, but he was able just to uh, you know relocate the strike zone and really battle through um, some some tough circumstances, which again is what it takes to separate the good from the great. So just a great performance by him again. He's been incredibly consistent this year, lowering his ERA to two four one. Um, had some great defense in this game. Actually, the uh, error that we had was Stroman on a little ground ball hit to him. He kind of uh, uh, swagged it a little bit on a start to Alonzo, got past Pete, and then Pete made an error on it, which allowed Tatis to get you know from first to third, uh, where we allowed in a run there. But um, Stroman also got it right back the next inning. Hit a double down the line. We didn't pitch in for him. Uh, I scored, I think, Peraza was on second at the time. So just, just a great performance from the team. Ended up winning the game 6-2. You got a home run from Dominic Smith and James McCann. Smith was great because he drove the ball to center field. It's good to see him hitting with power again, uh, especially to straightaway center and the opposite fields. Um, his bat would be great to, uh, to, to get moving again here. looks like it is. His batting average is up to 260. And then also James McCann hit another bomb, uh, a two-run homer late uh, in, in the eighth inning to kind of give us some insurance and help seal the win uh, and, and the series split against the Padres. Yeah, for me, actually, it was the uh, manufacturing of runs early on. Like you said, like James McCann had a two-run home run on the top of the eighth. At that point, the game was already 4-1, but I think the first run was definitely, like, really good to see. It was uh, top of the third, one out. Jose Peraza hits a ground rule double, so he's on second base. Stroman comes up, bunts him over. And Billy McKinney, who I think has earned himself a start on a healthy, a fully healthy Mets squad, I think he's earned himself a bench bench spot at least definitely not like the starting spot but definitely a bench spot two outs singles him in and then in the sixth inning something very similar happens as well McKinney gets on uh I think he walks uh steals second Lindor uh hits a ground ball to the second base uh so to the right side moves the runner over and Pete, Pete singles McKinney home uh and that's like two runs that the Mets need early extend the lead from one no- or from tied to one nothing and then from two nothing to three nothing and when you're p- playing a team like the Padre you need to get as many runs as you can and I feel like the Mets kind of did that in this game where early on it was kind of a little bit of small ball a little bit of hitting with runners in scoring position with a couple outs uh, and then it started to go to the long ball with the James McCann Stroman hitting that double was so sick too uh, but yeah I really like to see this team kind of their approach offensively in this Padres series, I think was really solid against some really solid starting pitching too. I know that they str- they've struggled against teams over 500, but when you take two of two from the, or two of four from the Padres uh, with all your injuries, I think that's something definitely to kind of hang your hat on. Uh, and I just want to get back to my Billy McKinney point. 
he's a lefty who's got some power. As you see, he's got five home runs this season, although I think only two, three of them were at the Mets. Uh, swipe a bag. I think he has two or three stolen bases this year and plays pretty good defense out in the outfield. So I think he's somebody who I would – I think I would take him over Albert, Albert Almora uh, when the team's really healthy. I think he's a bigger threat at the dish and plays adequate defense, although Almora is probably better in that aspect. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very good point. I've been um, really just, you know, surprised um, by just the performance of, of all these guys that we're having to, to stick into play. Like I, a lot of these guys' names I, I, weren't, I wasn't even familiar with before we've seen them play, but they've all hustled, you know, appreciated the effort from, from all of them. Um, again, I think that's another mark of this team where we're never out of it. Everyone's playing hard every at bat. So it's just a, it's just a joy to watch as a fan. Uh, and then this was the game, too, as I mentioned earlier, got my days mixed up. Um, we got an out uh, from Fernando Tatis, but then the bases were loaded. Got a single by Hosmer, uh, walked Will Myers, and then Kim singled. So you had bases loaded, one out, and a ground ball down the line to Drury, who ends up making a nice pick on his right, uh, tagging the base on third, and then from his knees, throwing a strike to Alonzo to end the inning. Um, and I was just watching it and just so fired up to see that happen. Just, you know, a, a guy who were just plugging in a third base, a uh, bunch of guys down on the team and then makes a wonderful play at that point to it really was the play of the game, you know, to keep Stroman in there um, and allowed him to go six and two thirds. So uh, also too going against Chris Paddock, you know, we put up three runs against him in the six innings he pitched um, on this lineup too. Like you, you got to be happy as a Mets fan with the performance, honestly, in this whole series and especially this last game here. Um also, what I want to mention, too, something you don't see in, in the box score is just the quality of the bats are just increasing, I think, across the Mets lineup, especially um, from Francisco Lindor in the top of the sixth. You had we were up 2-0 at this point. McKinney singled and then he stole second base. Right. It was a bad throw from the catcher, but uh, he, he still was able to steal second. And then Lindor had like a 9-10 pitch at bat where he really grinded through or before we might have seen him, you know, strike out or or, or ground out. Um, uh, weekly early on in the at-bat, but he was able to postpone it. McKinney was on second, and then he grounded out to the right side to advance McKinney, who ended up scoring uh, from Alonzo, the next batter, on a single. So, you know, it, it's these quality at-bats where you're grinding out runs against tough starters that can really uh, distinguish a great team. So happy to see Lindor, his plate discipline, uh, really be there later in a game, uh, which is which is crucial. Yeah, Ron touched on that, saying that... Uh... You can tell when a batter kind of is back in his groove when he's fouling off those tough pitches and making like longer at bats than they probably should be. Because probably Francisco Lindor mid April is striking out on like two or three of those changeups that like kind of drop out of the zone. But uh, now he did a good job to foul it off. And even though he did make an out, he's very productive out getting McKinney over the third base with one out. Uh, right. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, and then after that too, we, we bring in Castro, who's been great, you know. It, it, uh, he ended up going one and a third here, just uh, shut down the Padres. And then a great opportunity to bring May in, too, who, um, you know, has been struggling more as of recent. Uh, still gave up two hits, uh, one earned run, strikeout. You could tell he was still uh, upset at himself after we got that final out, final strikeout. Um, but perfect opportunity, I think, to put him in, still against a good lineup, but up four runs. So I, I just, I, I like the play for management. I, I like that. Uh, McCann was able to hit that two run home run to put us in a position not to have to turn to Diaz, uh, to be able to use May and, and try to, you know, get him back on track. So just love the outcome of this game. 
how the flow of it went and, and, and the moves, I think, from Rojas. Like, uh, it, was, it was a great way to end the series. I also think so, something pretty subtle that I love from Rojas is him getting tossed out of that Friday game. Um, McCann gets tossed, obviously, for arguing balls and strikes. And then Rojas is right there, right next to get tossed. And it's the first time I've seen him. First time, I, I, I'm like 99% sure when I say this. First time as a manager, he's been ejected. Uh, and just to have his players back, that's kind of the – that's for me, that's kind of the vibe Rojas has. Like, he makes some – like not – I think he's a little too cute sometimes with his in-game decisions, but I think the players love him because they always feel like he has their back. And that was kind of on display Friday. And I think his decisions have been much better as late as recent too. Like you said, that Trevor May decisions going to be kind of a, a call that nobody really thinks about in the grand scheme of things. Like Trevor May pitches a ninth inning in a five run game and gives up one run, but like, that's it. But like you had mentioned, they hadn't been that, he hasn't been that uh, solid recently. He's been kind of wavery a little bit. Mays mentioned it in his uh, post-game pressers that he goes through this probably once a season where, like, the hitters start to figure him out and he's got to make even more adjustments. Uh, so it's good to see that he goes in in a low-leverage situation. This is the same thing that we wanted with Yuri Familia in the beginning of the year when Familia was kind of coming off a really down 2020 and we weren't sure what his role in the bullpen was going to be. And now look at him, he's been very consistent. And I think Rojas managed that really well as well. I think he's doing the same thing with Trevor May. And I think he deserves a lot of credit because this is a team that a lot of a lot of other franchises would be like a 300 winning percentage with where they were winning like one, one game out of every series. And we're kind of, we're very competitive in every game still with a team who doesn't have the caliber that we thought they would opening day. And it's crazy. And the fact that we're able to kind of build and sustain a lead in the NL East with like a Billy McKinney, a Brandon Drury, Jose Peraza, Khalil Lee, Cameron Mabin, uh, it's or Patrick Mazika. It's, it's absolutely nuts. And I think you have to credit Luis Rojas because although he doesn't make the starting lineups and although you could say that it's these players hustling and stuff, somebody has to be at the helm and directing a team that really doesn't have a ton of MLB direction in itself. And I think Luis Rojas deserves a really, really big piece of that credit. No. Yeah, definitely. If you told me we'd be in the position we are right now in the NL East uh, without Carrasco, Syndergaard, Conforto, uh, McNeil, Nimmo, and JD Davis, um, and especially given the batting averages uh, across our team and our lineup right now, you know, I think you're out of your mind. But uh, the fact that, you know, we're in this spot uh, is, is, you know, like you said, too, shout out to the manager, players manager that Rojas is. And then also this team for continuing to grind, not lose hope and, and you know, retain that resilience that I think has been such a hallmark of this team, not only in 2021 that I saw as, you know, uh, in like towards the latter half of 2019. But I love these players. I think that's the new culture in, in the clubhouse. Um, so. Hopefully that'll continue. We have uh, an off day coming up on actually today and then Tuesday and Wednesday, we play the Orioles and then we have another off day Thursday and then we really get into it. Um, we don't have another off day till June 24th. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a tougher stretch. Definitely. So um, I think this is a big point in the season because we have so many games, uncle Mike that we're packing in right here. And then after this stretch, you know, when we get to early July, that's when we might we might start to see some players come back. Uh, so I think this is very important. But again, if at bare minimum, I think this team has proven, first off, they're actually capable of going above 500. But even if we stick at 500 now uh, and, and, you know, sweep the Orioles, uh, we're going to be in a very good spot, probably still atop the NL East. So, you know, 
it, it's it's a big run down the stretch. We have a lot of these games at home. I think we're 15 and five at City Field, so uh, it'll be it'll be great to watch. Uh, just a grind for these players, but I have full confidence that they can get the job done. Yeah, I do too. And I think about a week ago, right after that Marlins series, I think a lot of people did lose hope in this Mets team, being like, you know what, like maybe we just chalk this season. Like these are injuries that are unovercomable uh it was fun while it lasted and we'll just kind of rebuild for 2022 and uh hope that at that point we can kind of get the depth pieces we need and like the injury bug doesn't bite us nearly as hard but the Mets made the moves credit to uh Zach Scott as well the GM who's brought in multiple pieces to fix this it wasn't just an in-house he didn't try to fix it with uh in-house pieces he went out and acquired Cameron Mabin although that wasn't like Cameron maybe didn't save our season, but it was a move regardless. Requires Billy McKinney, which was which definitely helped. Uh, so it's it was a team effort for the Mets, uh, and a lot of people who were doubting, I think, are starting to believe now because this is like kind of the story that September Dreams written on uh, a team with that is incredibly unlikely to make the postseason with all the injuries that happened during the season, and we're right there. No, exactly. I think you summed it up perfectly. And, and even like we talked about how it's a win for the Mets just to split this series, but we were in this really every game. You know, Friday, we didn't hit, you know, I don't only get three hits, but still we lose Thursday, three to four, Friday, oh, two. The pitching's keeping us in this. We have a chance to win every game we play. I think we really proved that this series. This was a very big test against a team, the caliber of the Padres with the current state of our lineup. So I think we passed that test, honestly, in flying colors. I don't think there's a game really on the schedule. Um, you know, moving, moving into July that, you know, we, we shouldn't be in a position to win. So uh, it'll be great watching these, uh, these games. Uncle Mike might be at Wednesday's game, June 16th against the Cubs where DeGrom looks to be slated to start. So uh, keep your eye out from him on the, on the television. He'll try to get on the big screen, but other than that, guys, thank you for listening. As always, um, I'm Ty Wilkes. He's Uncle Mike, Mike Bresnak. Please give us a follow on Twitter at MetsManiacsPod. You can find us on Instagram. That's Maniacs underscore is our username. You can also find us online at MetsmerizeOnline.com. Uh, please check out that site. A lot of great content over there. And lastly, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. Okay, guys. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Me and Mike will come back to uh, recap the Mets and everything that's been happening uh, on Friday morning. We'll release another episode. So have a great week, guys. Take care. Uncle Mike. Thank you, as always. Let's go, Mats.